Hello everybody, this week's parasha is Parashas Lech Lecha. And in the end of last week's parasha, Rashi brings the Medrash that the whole story of Avraham Avinu getting thrown into the fire by Yorkazdem. And the Ibn Ezra has a very strong question on the Medrash. He says, why did the Torah not write this story? The Torah writes all the other Nisianists of trials of Avraham Avinu. Seemingly this story is the most relevant to us. This is an amazing story. Avraham Avinu risked his life for his beliefs. He fought everyone who argued on him. Why is the story of Orkazdim not mentioned in the Torah? And many, many, many commentaries come to answer the question of the Ibn Ezra. And two I wanted to speak out this week, just which I thought really, truly struck me. One I saw in the Sefer Nesiva's Das. He brings down from Yeshua's Yaakov and others who say this idea. The Gemara says himself, the Gemara says that when Aramavina was thrown into this fire by Orkazdim, so... Malachim said they want to go in and save him. Akash Baruch said, no. He said, Ani yachid ba'ilami. I am one in this, in my world. Aram Avinu hu yachid ba'ilami. He's one in his world. It's really, it's fitting that a yachid should go and save a yachid. An individual should save an individual. What does this Gemara mean? So they explain like this. Aram Avinu was unique. Aram Avinu had a path which we don't do nowadays. We don't find that any Jew is commanded or mitzvah to go and risk his life debating all the other religions and you know burning down houses of worship others. We're not supposed to do that. It's not our job. Aramavinu went and he broke his father's idols. So what what changed? So the Farshim say that before the Torah was given to the world, before Hashem revealed himself to the Jewish people, there was, so to speak, a, a ace last Hashem. There was a pressing need to do something on the behalf of Hashem. There was no one who believed in Hashem at that point. So Avram Avinu went and he fought for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He had to be that last spark of what's right in the world and to the point where he had to risk his life for it. Once HaKadosh Baruch Hu came and gave it Klai Yisrael, the Torah, he showed himself on Har Sinai. So then there's a clear path of what's right there's people who do it there's no need for clients to go and start fighting with other nations everyone has a choice to do the right thing or do the wrong thing so Avram Avinu was yachid ba'elamai like the Gemara is saying he was the only one so Akash Baruch Hu went and saved him because he was the only one standing up for Akash Baruch Hu at that time but for us who live after the giving of a Torah that's not our derech that's not what we're supposed to be doing our job is not to be copying that part of Ram Avinu. Our job is to be copying what Ram Avinu did as he went through the Nisianus, as he goes through the trials he went through in Eretz Yisrael. That's the terrorist of Nesivas Das and Yeshua's Yaakov. The base Kelm, from the altar from Kelm, he says a different idea. He says, really the Chassid Yavitz and Elvis mentions this idea as well. He says a different point. He says, there's two ways a person can interact, so to speak, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's an idea of taking logic, taking a person's mind, and stretching it to the limits that a person can understand with his own logical deductions and rationales. Basically, philosophy. And Avraham Avinu sat for many, many years, and he tried to understand who's running this world, why does the world act the way it does. And Avraham Avinu reached the pinnacle of human comprehension of how about Hashem works and how the world is created and the purpose of the world. Once he did that, Akadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself to him. 
Akash Baruch came to him at the age of 75 and said, Lech Lecha, go. You've reached that point where you have to go to Eretz Yisrael, where you can have Nevuah. And Akash Baruch took him to the next level. Akash Baruch went and spoke to him. Once Avram Avinu got to that level, he entered the level of Nevuah where he had a direct relationship with Hashem. It wasn't just him trying to figure out what to do. He was giving commandments from Hashem. And then the struggle changed. Then the struggle became one of Amuna, trusting in Hashem, doing the right thing, even though it was hard. But it became a point where he had a clear message from Hashem what to do. And it was a whole different struggle. And therefore, again, Aramavinu's challenge in Orkazdem is not what's relevant to us who live after HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself to Aramavinu. Once Avram Avinu entered the level of Nebuah and all his children and grandchildren and Klaistral got the terror from Hashem, we have a different challenge. What's relevant to us is we know what's right. Akash Baruch Hu sends us his terror. He sent us his Nebuah. We know what we have to do. Our challenge is a challenge of overcoming Yitzhar, overcoming struggles. And that's the part of Avram Avinu's life that the Torah tells us about because that's what relates to us. At the end of last week's parsha, there's a long Rashi, which asks that the Torah tells us in the beginning of parsha Lachachal that Rav Avinu was 75 when he left Eretz Yisrael. The end of last week's parsha said that Terach died at the age of 205. So Rashi says if you do the math, the age that Terach was, he was 70 when Rav Avinu was born. There's no way that the event of Terach's death could have been before Rav Avinu left Eretz Yisrael. Terach must have died way after Rav Avinu had already left. Sarashi so asks, so why did the Torah write it out of order? Why does the Torah write Terach's death first and then Avram Avinu leaving? Says Rashi, because it looked bad. People are going to say, look, he left his old father in, Eretz, in, in, in Chara and he went by himself off to Eretz Yisrael. It's the wrong thing. How could he do such a thing? So the Torah kind of covered it up. And all the Mepharshim and Rashi, there were Um and others, ask, wait a second. If it's the right thing, then you write it. Okay, Avram did the right thing. If it's the wrong thing, then why did he do it? What's going on over here? And the Nachas Yaakov, the Nesivas, and others, they write like this, a fundamental principle. They say, there's a concept of nuance. There are things which generally are wrong, and then in unique situations, they're right. Generally speaking, a person has a chiv to sit there and to keep it off aim and be there and do everything for their parents, and that's what's supposed to be done 99.9% of the times. Aram Avinu had a special mission, that Hashem told him, Lech Lecha, he had to go, and Aram Avinu, so to speak, his mission was different. But nuance is something which only intelligent people understand. And therefore, the Torah didn't write it out in the open because a lot of people won't get it. And they'll get confused and they'll say the wrong thing. And they'll talk bad out of Ramavinu. So the Torah went and it wrote it for those who could see it. For those who can sit down and do the math and realize that Ramavinu did leave earlier, they can also understand the Rashis and the Mepharshim that there was a reason for it. And that is many, many times why certain things are in Pshat and certain things are in Medrash. Because to be in the level to appreciate the message of the Medrash, you have to be able to see a little bit past the surface level and then appreciate it. The Pasuk tells us that Hashem tells Avram Avinu when he goes to Eretz Yisrael, I will make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll bless you, now make your name great, and you will be for a blessing. And Rashi brings the famous comment of the Medrash that each one of these three statements is representing the different brachos that we mentioned. Of, we mentioned the Avos. 
in the first bracha Shmona Esrei. It says Ve'esk legagadol. That's referring to Elikei Avram. Va'avarcha is referring to Elikei Yitzchak. Va'agad l'shemecha, and I'll make your name great. That's referring to Yaakov in the first bracha Shmona Esrei. But what's the Hayyeh Baracha? Says Rashi, because Yachal, you might think that we say the names of all three of us when we finish the bracha and we complete it. Says the pasuk, no, bechachaisman. We always seal with Avram Avinu's name. Avram Avinu is kind of the final one who we mention his chus at the end of the first bracha Shmonesri. Magin Avram. So what's going on in this matter? So many commentaries, but the Drash Moshe explains like this. He says, Avram Avinu, every one of the forefathers of the others brought out a certain mido or a certain, so to speak, connection that a person is supposed to have with the Kodesh Baruch a different service of Hashem. And that's what each one of the forefathers did, was that they kind of blazed the trail in regards to each one, in their own way, of how to properly serve Hashem. Avram Avinu's challenge was Emuna. Avram Avinu was Hayei Samim. Akash Baruch asks him to be Tamim, means completely trusting. Avram Avinu, the first thing that happens, is first Nisayin, in the Ten Nisayinists that the Mishnah lists, so the commentaries are the first Nisayin, he comes to Eretz Yisrael, and... You know, everything's going wrong. There's a rub. There's a hunger there. He has to leave. He goes down to Egypt. They take his wife. And constantly, Hashem's telling him to do something, and then life gets difficult, and life seems wrong, and everything seems hard. And finally, Akash Baruch gives him a son after 100 years and tells him, okay, this is going to be that son I've been telling you about. You're going to have so many kids from him. And then next day, Hashem tells him, okay, go bring him as a sacrifice to me at the Akedah. And Avramavinu's challenge is constantly, constantly to believe in Akash Baruch and to have a Muna. And that, says Ramayisha, is really the fundamental part of a, of a Jew. That's the basis. The Navi tells us, Chavakuk, Navi comes and he tells Achas. he tells him, this is the one thing, you work on this, everything else falls into place. What is it? Tzadik be'emunasa A tzadik, in his emuna he will live. Which means that ultimately, ultimately, everything, every struggle, every Sahara, every Nisayan, it comes down to Amuna. And if you look in the Mishnah and Avas, you see something interesting. The Ruach Chaim points out that the Mishnah in Avas in Parakei, first it says that there was ten generations from Nayak to Avram. The teacher, the Baruch, who was so patient, he waited, let the whole world survive because he wanted Avram Avinu to come around. But it says Nayak to Avram. It doesn't say Avram Avinu. Then you go later, two Mishnahis later, and it says, Asara Nisyonis, ten challenges Avram Avinu faced. He now it calls him Avinu. What's the difference? It says the Ruach Hayim because Avram is our Avinu. He's our father because he taught us, he gave us, he inherited to us this ability to withstand challenges, to go through Nisyonis, and to believe in Akash Baruch Hu. And that's why, says Amayisha, we say, we end off the bracha, the first bracha of Shemayin Esrei with Mugin Avram, because that's really where everything boils down to, and that's where everything comes to a head is a person's level of Amuna, and that's what we're being taught by this part of the Gemara of Mugin Avram B'chachaisman. That ultimately, the more we work in our Amuna, the more everything else falls into place. Avram Avinu has to head down to Mitzrayim because of the famine, and he tells his wife he gets you know close to the border and he says he ne no yadati. Behold, now I know that you're a beautiful woman. So, you know, they say a joke. People always say, how do you get your wife to do something? You know, she always doesn't, you always ask her to do stuff, she doesn't do it. So the guy said, you know, look, you look at the Parsha. 
He gave her a compliment. Then Sarah started listening. She went into the box. She hid, you know. But really, if you look at the Pesach, it's very difficult. What's this lotion of Hine no Yodati? Now I know. Now it occurred to me that you're beautiful. I mean, they've been married for many years already, right? When they're in their 70s. So what's going on? So Rashi says two answers. One Rashi says that he never focused on her beauty till now. It wasn't something he looked at. There was a mistakal in it. The other thing Rashi says is just on a simple level because it wasn't relevant till now. Now it's relevant, so he's talking about it. But I saw an interesting shot from Yenison Ibishitz and Teferis Yenison. He says like this. He says, the Gemara tells us that not necessarily a woman can be attractive and you know without necessarily being beautiful. He says, the Gemara says in Megillah that Esther was actually Yirak Reikisaya. She looked a little green, a little pale, but Chutzal Chesed, Mashallah, she had this string of, of Chesed hanging over her, which means that she had a heavenly glow, she had a Shechina resting on her, and that made people just attracted to her. Everyone who saw her was just taken in by her because she had some kind of glow around her. It wasn't a physical beauty, it was Ruchnius, but it made her attractive to everyone. Avramavin always assumed that's why Sarah was so beautiful. It says Sarah was called Yiska in last week's parasha. Why? Because she has like a sukkah of the Shekhinah over her. So Avramavin felt, look, we're going to go to Mitzrayim. It's a place that's full of Tumah. The Shekhinah is not going to come with us there. And she's going to look like everybody else and no one's going to notice her. Then Avramavin gets to the border of Egypt and she still looks beautiful. He's like, oh no, it must be she's just physically beautiful. And then we're actually in trouble. So then he asks her to say that she's his sister. After Paroi returns Sarah, he asks Avramavinu, he says, why did you tell me that she was your sister? Why did you mislead me? And Avramavinu doesn't respond anything to that. Avramavinu just kind of stays quiet. Yet when Avimelech asks him the same question later on, he tells him, because I saw that in your town there's no Yerushamayim and I was afraid, he responds to the question. For some reason, when it comes to Paroi, he doesn't respond. What's the difference? So Ramesha Feinstein Right, he says, if you look at Rashi, Rashi explains that, if you notice, there's a difference. When he leaves Parai, Parai sends him out of the land. Parai gives him a royal escort and he sends him out of Egypt. Whereas Navi Melech, Avram stays in Eretz Plishtim for a while after. So Rashi explains because the difference is that Parai knew that he can't trust his people. The land was corrupt and everyone, someone else would go and try to steal Sarah from Avram. So Parai said, just go out. Let, let's keep this. Let's keep this simple. Leave, leave Mitzrayim. Whereas Avimelech, his country was more just, it was more normal, and therefore he he felt he could trust his people, and Avraham could stay there. So with Avimelech, there was someone to talk to. There was some. There was someone home. So therefore, says Ramesh Feinstein, Avraham answered him and he explained to him and gave him musr because there was someone there to talk to. So when he asked. The question, why did you tell me to your sister? He actually wanted to know the answer. He was looking to be somebody. There was something there to work with. With Paroi, Avram saw right away that there's no one home. The country was so corrupt, no one there cared. So he was just asking as a way of complaining. He didn't really want to know the answer. So therefore, says Ramesha, Avram really didn't answer. There's sometimes with some people you respond and you explain. And with some people you just nod and smile. And that's it. And that's why Avram knew didn't answer Paroi. Pasuk tells us that Avraham Avinu planted an A-shell, which the Gemara explains means he made an inn, and this was his method of doing care. The Gemara in Saita explains that he would do is he would invite passerby or travelers to come to his home, he'd give them a meal, he'd feed them, he'd take care of them, and obviously after they were done, they were very thankful to him, they were grateful, and they would say to him, thank you so much. Avraham Avinu would stop and tell them, don't be thankful to me, thank Hashem. 
And that's how you'd get the conversation going about Yiddishkeit and get them involved in religion. And it's interesting how Avram Avinu seemingly, he seemed to have switched. You know, back in the day he was out there breaking idols. And now he seems to be like the prototypical Chabad rabbi. You know, out there inviting everyone to just come and then slowly, slowly giving them a chance to recognize and to be, to be, and to be grateful. And what happened? So I heard once, Ipshat, Rabbi Kaufman, he said a beautiful idea. He said like this. He said that, Aramavinu at first, it was him against everybody else. They were doing Avodah Zarah. And Aramavinu tried stopping them from being Avodah Zarah. But eventually, Aramavinu realized the root of the mistake of people who served Avodah Zarah. The Rambam writes that the beginning of Avodah Zarah was in the generation of Enish. And the root cause was they made a fundamental error. They said, how could it be that we can go and kind of almost burden God with our petty concerns? God is so mighty. God is so great. We have to just talk to his intermediaries. We'll talk to his secretary. We'll talk to his personal assistants. We'll talk to the stars, the moon, the angels, all these spiritual forces. We can't talk to God himself. He's too lofty to deal with us. And that's a very, very big mistake because what happens is eventually people just forget about God altogether and start talking to the intermediaries and using them to work the system. But there's a big mistake in that. The mistake is that as humans, we think that when someone has to serve others and give to others, it's a sign of lowliness. It's a sign of, of, of weakness. But the Pasuk says in Tillim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is... He sits up high. And he goes down low to see what's going on in Shemayim and Aretz. And the Malbim explains is that it's not even though he's so high, he goes low. It's a continuation of the praise of Hashem. Hashem is so mighty. He's so great that he can go low and help everybody else. And that's part of his greatness. When someone is truly great, then when they give over to others, it's not a weakness. It's an expression of their greatness. It's they're so amazingly big that they can give over to others. They can give and they can take care of other people. And that's what Ramvino was trying to teach his generation. He said, he let them come into his house. He sat there and he served them. And they were so shocked and so thankful. And he said, no, don't thank me. Thank Hashem because he does the same exact thing. He is mighty. He is great. And he takes care of others. And that's how Ramvino was able to get to the root problem behind Avodah and able to get to people to turn around. When people recognize this point that the ultimate greatness is to be able to take care of others and give to others, and then we can truly emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Have a wonderful Shabbos.